Hey guys, Bill here. We're going to be talking with Evan Silva of Establish the Run, formerly of Roto World, about some fantasy sleepers for the upcoming season on today's show. But first, wanted to remind everyone, of course, during the Fantasy Football Marathon, to make sure you're staying up to date on all of your fantasy football news with ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Bill Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp. On the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, you'll get daily strategy, previews, and injury reports to ensure you have all the information you'll need for your fantasy football team. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Focus Football and, of course, the Bill Barnwell Show as well on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Now, here's Evan and the rest of our show. All right, joining me now on the show, as promised, first-time guest, someone I have been reading for years, one of the hardest-working people, covering football on the internet his matchups column formerly at roto world now at established the run an absolute must read every week guy who is drilling down into the game not only on the fantasy side but also on the uh, day-to-day real football side i think a must read when it comes to the nfl each and every week it is evan silva evan how are you sir bill i'm doing great i'm honored to be asked to come on your podcast nothing made me feel better uh, inside than when uh, you you let us know that you uh, watched the Establish the Run live video cast on Fridays, um, that you listen to our podcast. And I've been reading you, obviously, we, we worked together for a, a minute mm-hmm. um, back in the day at Roto World. And um, so pleased that you asked me onto the show. Thank you very much. Well, one of the most important people, I think, when it comes to understanding football, understanding what's happening on a micro level and on a macro level. And I think there's a few people out there. I mentioned this, I think on Chris Long's podcast, um, you, I feel like Greg Rosenthal, another Florida world colleague, Shilka Potty, who I had him last week. There were certain people who, when I read them on the NFL and I disagree with them and I, I see them disagree with me, I feel like I'm wrong and they're right. And you are one of those people where I feel like, you know, just, just when you have an opinion, it's studied, it comes from a place of information. It is smart. And I feel like there's a lot of people we're going to talk about today on this list of undervalued players heading into fantasy drafts that are people to watch out for, not just if you're a hardcore fantasy football player or someone who's you know, take, drafting a ton of best ball leagues, but also if you have a home league with a couple of your friends. If you are someone who doesn't play fantasy football, if you're just looking for players who are going to break out or have a bigger role or people to watch this year, I think this is a very important list to pay attention to. So Evan, Today, we're going to go through a bunch of those guys. Um, obviously, the full list is available at Establish the Run. But let's start by looking at uh, a couple of the wide receivers at the top of your list. I mean, it, when it comes to a guy who you think is not getting enough attention uh, from, you know, whether it's the media, whether it's from fantasy players, whether it's from fans, people on Twitter, who stands out to you as a guy who's not getting the recognition he deserves heading into the season? Well, last year, our number one player at Establish the Run to target across all formats in trades, 
uh, to buy low on um, and to just, you know, try to acquire aggressively was Allen Robinson. He wound up finishing, I believe, number three in the NFL in targets. He caught 90-some balls. You know, he had an excellent season. People were really turned off uh, by him because they didn't trust the quarterback situation. He did have an injury history. Uh, he was not coming off his healthiest year uh, in his first year in Chicago. The previous year, he had essentially missed due to an ACL tear. But he wound up being a massive, massive hit. And this year, he's like a consensus top 10 uh, fantasy wide receiver, replacing Allen Robinson in that role as the player that we believe that people should be trying to acquire in all formats of fantasy is Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first reaction, just like last year, the first reaction would be, oh, well, Mitchell Trubisky's his quarterback. This year, the first reaction is, well, Will Fuller just can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get that. But that is what creates a buying opportunity. You know, let's say that Will Fuller did not have an injury history. DeAndre Hopkins had just, you know, he just left, leaving behind 10 targets per game. Mm-hmm. The Texans team is a team that has played um, at a pretty fast tempo, uh, consistently under Bill O'Brien. And Will Fuller now jumps into that number one receiver role, surrounded by players in the same receiving uh, core that are all, they're all new. Brandon Cooks is new. Randall Cobb is new. Uh, Kenny Stills uh, missed the, the first part of camp. He's not new, but he's you know, coming back as the fourth receiver. And, you know, there's not a lot of target competition at the tight end position. Deshaun Watson is one of the, court, the quarterbacks that checks down, checks down least frequently mm-hmm. in the NFL, and he's always looking for the big play. That's why Will Fuller is the perfect receiver to sort of complement his game as one of the most aggressive quarterbacks in football. Even with DeAndre Hopkins – hogging targets over the past couple of seasons. If you string together Will Fuller, like the last 16 games in which he drew at least two targets, uh, he's caught 82 passes for 1,237 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, And again, that risk, that injury risk is baked into his ADP. That's the reason that you can get him in the sixth or seventh round. Mm -hmm. He had a a fully clean health resume. He'd be like a second or third round pick. Mm -hmm. So, I think that it is time to buy the dip on Will Fuller. And, um, you know, he's coming at a, 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 an extremely uh, potentially profitable cost this year. Yeah. And I think obviously this is a team that a lot of people expect to decline this year from their 10 and six record. I mean, I, I have them in my most likely to decline column. Their Vegas over under, I think is, is seven and a half or eight. Um, I mean, a, a team that we expect to kind of be, passing even more frequently than they did in 2019 when they threw the ball uh, 534 times. You know, not not a ton of, of attempts from Sean Watson, only 495 from him, 37 from A.J. McCarron. In terms of this passing attack, I mean, you mentioned Will Fuller, and I think I absolutely agree. Uh, even if he's not healthy for 16 games, just a guy who can be such a dynamic uh, piece of the offense and a guy who, you know, we saw in that game last year, his really big game against uh, – who, who did he have the retouch in that game against last year? Was it the Falcons? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he had, at that game, he could have had a couple more touchdowns. He like he had three scores and dropped two more, or like you know, yeah. nearly came within two more, which is kind of scary for how how you know what a dramatic impact player he can be when he's on the field and has the right matchup. In terms of this passing attack on the whole, are you also someone who is optimistic about Brandon Cooks's value heading into the season, given how people are perceiving him after you know what was a messy twenty nineteen? Yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, we are above market in terms of Brandon Cook's ranking. Um, I just moved up Randall Cobb into a position where we are above market on him. 
Um, I think that Kenny Stills is, you know, a decent pick, like really late in drafts, especially best ball drafts. I think he's going to be able to mix in a few more big games that he did in his first season with the, with the Texans when he was acquired just right before the season. Um, but I like the fact that you pointed out that this team is going to be playing from behind more this year. They won a bunch of close games last year. They really were, I think, like a seven or eight win team based on Pythagorean win expectation. They wound up winning, what, 10 games in uh, the, the game where the, the Bills melted down in the playoffs. Yes. But over the course of, of Deshaun Watson's career, he has been more efficient when playing from behind. If you look at quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks are, are more efficient when they're playing with a lead. Cam Newton um, has been you know, a, a much better quarterback when he's playing out in front. Peyton Manning, historically, his stats are better when he is playing with a lead. Deshaun Watson's efficiency spikes when he plays from behind. And I feel like you can almost see that when you watch him play, he is comfortable in chaos. He is comfortable playing with an extreme sense of urgency. And although we, you know, we rip Bill O'Brien to shreds, I do think that he might be onto something with the way that they have constructed this receiver core with a lot of speed. Um, because again, Deshaun Watson, one of the most aggressive downfield passers in the league, I mean, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, these guys are all 4-4, sub-4-4 uh, speed burners. Mm -hmm. I think that there could be something to that, um, the way that they constructed this receiver core after moving on from Deshaun, uh, from uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you can – take the questions about Bill O'Brien and his decision-making, and there's obviously issues up and down some of the choices he's made, but this could still be an explosive offense, even though Bill O'Brien maybe has made some trades that we would take issue with. I mean, th those two things don't have to be, uh, you know, tied together. They can be mutually exclusive and still, uh, you know, still pay credence to how exciting and how explosive this offense can be from week to week. Um, you mentioned Randall Cobb. I want to talk about the Cowboys, uh, a team that Randall Cobb was on a year ago. Of course, they add C.D. Lamb this year, um, a very, very explosive passing attack last year. Is there a wide receiver on that team who you feel like is not getting the credence he deserves heading into the year? Yeah, I actually think both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are undervalued this year in fantasy. Um, people just have a sort of like bias against Amari Cooper, I think, um, from his Raider days. He's been an absolute stud. He's good. He's always good. Yeah, he's always been good. It's just he needed a quarterback that he meshed with. And, I mean, he's – you remember how quickly they hit it off after that? Mm -hmm. Usually wide receivers struggle in their first year moving to new teams. Yep. He was acquired midseason, and they hit it off immediately with, with Dak Prescott. I mean, it's just – they're a perfect match together. We actually have Amari Cooper as our overall wide receiver six. His, his ADP is uh, more in the wide receiver 13 range. In, um, in high stakes leagues. But the guy who really stands out in this pass catcher core is Michael Gallup. Uh, Michael Gallup last year was number six in the NFL in receiving yards per game. Um, we have him as a top 25 receiver. His ADP is in the 30s among uh, wideouts over his last 16 games. Wow. Uh, 74 catches, 1,244 yards, and seven touchdowns, uh, including playoffs. That would have made him last year's overall fantasy wide receiver seven in PPR leagues. Uh, Matt Harmon, who does a great job of breaking down uh, wide receivers, has noted that Michael Gallup might even be encroaching on, on Amari Cooper as becoming a superior route runner. He has had to run the, the, the more difficult routes in Dallas's offense at X receiver 
Mark Cooper has moved around a little bit more. Michael Gallup really took over as their X receiver mm-hmm. this year and was still hyper, hyper productive. And he's already broken out. Tip, you know, historically, the, the third-year wide receivers are, are considered to be the breakout candidates, but he's already broken out. So I think that the arrow is – a lot of people will, will point to the fact that they acquired C.D. Lamb and be like, oh, well, you know, how are they going to get all these targets? Well, the, the, the thing is that last year, Randall Cobb and Jason Witten did get, you know, a, a good chunk of targets. They, they got a healthy dose of targets. It's just the Cowboys are replacing them with more explosive talents. I mean, C.D. Lamb moving into the Randall Cobb role and then using more Blake Jarwin instead of Jason Witten, they're just going to be a more explosive passing attack. I don't think it's going to necessarily take away from the target numbers of Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. They're just going to score more touchdowns. I'm very, very excited about this offense. I love the schedule. Um, you know, this is one of my – when I'm doing team stacks in big, you know, uh, season-long redraft tournaments, this is my favorite team to stack the Dallas Cowboys, because it's feasible. I mean, especially if you start off with Zeke in the top four, um, you know, you can get Amari Cooper in the fourth. You can get Dak Prescott in, you know, the sixth. You can get Michael Gallup in the seventh. You can get Blake Jarwin in the twelfth. You know, it's, it's a very, very feasible team to stack um, if you're looking for an offense that is just going to completely go off. I think the Cowboys uh, fit that bill this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you brought up my my question, which was going to be the uh, you know the concerns about possibly having too many mouths to feed. But I think it's a really good point. You know, you look at the numbers last year. Randall Cobb had 83 targets. Jason Witten had 83 targets, and um, you know that's 166 targets to go to Blake Jarwin, who had 41 himself a year ago, uh, to go to uh, CD Lamb. I, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be shocking if Amari Cooper, who had 119, and Michael Gallup at 113 actually got more targets than they did a year ago. So, um, you know, I, I could see a scenario where they don't throw the ball quite as much w- w- being a, a better team. I think they're one of the teams that, you know, I, I have pegged as my top seed in the NFC. We had Shil Kapadia on last week. He said the same thing. So I could see Dak throwing fewer than 600 times, but I do think that's probably going to come at the expense of CD Lamb targets and Lake Jarwin targets, as opposed to uh, Gallup or Cooper, both of whom I think are, phenomenal players and i mean guys who just you know are going to be matchup problems each and every week because there's just not that many teams who have you know two or even three great cornerbacks to hold up against these cowboys receivers so absolutely i think they're um a team that people should be targeting if you're stacking you know i I think the cowboys are a i don't know about you but if you had to pick best offense heading into the season you know just just a team that's going to score the most points on offense would you go chiefs one cowboys two this is a good question, and it's something I've been thinking about. I, I think it's the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Cowboys all in the mix. I probably rate – I mean, I just think the Chiefs are going to go absolutely bananas this year. I think that one thing that – you know, a lot, there's been a lot of talk in the fantasy community about the um, you know, lack of practice time impacting the rookies, and I, I'm sure that that's going to you know, affect rookies in some way. I also think it could affect defensive secondaries. Um, you remember after the lockout year when there was no offseason, there was a lot more stuff that happened before the season than is happening this year. Yeah. But, you know, passing attacks just – it was a huge year for, for passing attacks. In, in was at 2011. And um, there's a lot of communication that goes into playing in the secondary. Secondaries that have a lot of turnover, I think, could be in real, real trouble early in the year. 
And elite passing offenses like Kansas City and Dallas, I think, are just going to be able to absolutely feast. Um, and then I think the Ravens, they have like a soft schedule. They have a ton of continuity um, mm-hmm. throughout the coaching staff, throughout their personnel. Uh, I think those are, those are probably my three favorite offenses entering the year. Yeah, 2011, the Packers 15-1, and one, that Aaron Rodgers MVP season, Saints 13-3, and three, Patriots with Tom Brady, of course, 13-3. and three. So I mean, it does check out in terms of, of what sort of worked that year for those offenses. A team that was good in 2011, although not really a pass-heavy team then, maybe more of a pass-heavy team now, depending on who actually might be casting the, catching the ball for them, uh, is the San Francisco 49ers, where we've seen Jalen Hurd go down with a torn ACL. We've seen uh, Debo Samuel go down with a broken foot and now most recently a much less impactful injury uh hopefully in brandon Ayuk, their first round pick who has a hamstring issue but uh, evan how do you think this niners passing attack is going to break out and if we assume Ayuk is doing okay where do you where do you sort of rank him what do you think of his chances of impressing as a rookie and who else stands out to you as a likely beneficiary of those injuries yeah, so I had moved Brandon Ayuk all the way up to wide receiver 37 until he pulled his hamstring like the day after I made that rank, um, which is always fun. And now we're, we're awaiting word on how severe the injury is. I, I hate hamstring injuries with rookie wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And I know that people will point to Odell Beckham, but it's, you know, it's typically not a good combination. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that. But I think that if we kind of zoom out in uh, discussing the 49ers this year. First of all, they're due for um, some negative regression defensively. Yep. Uh, they did trade away DeForest Buckner. They lost Joe Woods, who went to become the Browns uh, defensive coordinator. I mean, everybody in their secondary like had a breakout year under uh, Joe Woods' watch mm-hmm. season. The only, I guess the only players that didn't were the players that were playing a right cornerback. Yes. And they really didn't do anything to upgrade their right cornerback situation. Uh, so I wonder how much that is, is going to um, affect them. And then again, again, you know, losing to Forrest Buckner. I mean, he's, you know, very high, high impact player. So I think that the defense, although I still expect it to be good, I think it's going to take a step back to the point where, you know, this team is not going to be able to get away with um, finishing like, you know, top five in rushing attempts and finishing 29th in pass attempts. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers passing game, albeit on low volume, was highly efficient last season. Jimmy Garoppolo, 8.4 yards per pass attempt, almost 6% uh, TD rate. And, you know, although that these these guys are, you know, these wide receivers are starting to drop like flies, I think that what what it's really pointing us to in the direction of it is just a massive year for George Kittle Mm -hmm. and for Kendrick Bourne, who I don't really like touting wide receivers that run 4-7. But Kendrick Bourne has been there for like three years. He has the trust of uh, Kyle Shanahan. He has the trust of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, He scored, what, like seven or eight touchdowns last year. He was one of Jimmy Garoppolo's go-to receivers on third down. And sort of almost by default, he is now looking like a pretty good late-round pick uh, in fantasy leagues. And, again, you know, to answer your question, assuming that Brandon Ayuk were to be healthy, and apparently he was ripping up training camp before he went down, um, I wanted to be really, really bullish on him. You know, I want to be – there are are really two rookie wide receivers this year I want to be really, really bullish on. It's Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Rieger Mm -hmm. of of Philadelphia. 
Uh, but Ayuk, I was even higher on before this injury. And now we're just, we're in wait and see mode with him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it's a deep depth chart, even after um, uh, Trevor ben- or Travis Benjamin um, opted out of the season. There's still guys like, you know, Richie James, Trent Taylor, even Dante Pettis, Tavon Austin. I mean, there's, there's names on this list, but at the end of the day, they've seemed to have expressed a preference for born in years past. So um, again, a guy who I think you can get basically for free, it seems like in most fantasy drafts who, you know, could be a week one starter. I, I don't know about you. Um, Debo Samuel's foot injury really scares me. Hamstring injuries, I oh, absolutely yeah. agree, are a weak, are a concern for young receivers. But I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not thinking. I know Des Bryant did come back from one a couple of years ago and, and was able to play, but I just can't think of a receiver where they suffered a foot injury and then they went on to have a big year in the same year. It just seems like Debo Samuel, you're almost writing off what happened this year and just sort of looking for him as maybe a, uh, a guy to look for in 2021. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. there's opportunity there. I mean, clearly, you know, if I'm wrong, there's value there and, and you can't just write every injury off, but that's just such a bad injury for young receivers. And the Jones fracture, yeah, in particular, is so subject to setbacks. Um, Dr. Chow, pro football doc, believes that Debo Samuel is going to open the season on reserve PUP. It's, that's a situation I'm not, I'm, I'm not investing in, in fantasy leagues. Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, at, at some point, at some, at some round, he, there, there is value there, I guess. But I, I do think there is an opportunity and sort of a, a hole for receivers there to make a play now. You mentioned Jalen Rieger with the Eagles. Of course, he's been really promising during camp. It uh, looks like he is going to be in line to start. They're moving him around, having him play different roles in the offense. What else stands out to you about this Eagles passing attack? Is there someone else you want to target uh, within this group of receivers? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson's ADP right now is way out of line with how projections should have been readjusted. I mean, he got himself into some hot water during the offseason, looked like he might almost be cut. Yeah. But the Eagles, I think, have sort of – I mean, the Eagles need him. So, you know, they're, they're bringing him back, and I think all signs point to him being a week one starter. We saw what he did against the Redskins last year in week one, um, just, you know, flashing that, that tantalizing upside. Apparently he's been dusting Darius Slay on the practice field. Um, he has not lost any of his speed. He, he's a guy that has maintained his speed. I mean, the last time that, I mean, he led the NFL in yards per catch uh, his final year with Tampa Bay. Um, He can still run. He's 34. I get it. He's an injury risk. Who cares if he's an injury risk and he's costing you a 10th or 11th round fantasy. There's no question that he could come out the gates, you know, in the first month of the season or something like that and be a top 20 fantasy receiver. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very much within his range of potential outcomes. Um, so I think that he is uh, – he should be prioritized by fantasy players, um, especially at his extremely, extremely low cost. The, the dude can absolutely still play. Yeah, and, and I think the injury concerns, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's not as if, if you had Deshaun Jackson, you were disappointed. You were disappointed last year because he didn't play very frequently, but it wasn't as if he, you know, destroyed your team by being hurt. If you played in week one, he – probably won you the week in week one because he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the other two weeks he played, he, he left the game, but it's not like he's going to be leaving the game eight or nine times during the season. It's really going to be, you know, a binary available, not available thing. The vast majority of weeks for players with his, his risk profile. So um, 
you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know what leagues are doing. I know there's, there's a lot of leagues that have more IR slots this year. Um, it might be, you know, a, a plus EV move to go after guys who have those injury histories and sort of hope that, uh, you know, you have them available for, if they're only available for half your season, they're great for half that year. That's not the worst thing in the world. Um, exactly. And I mean, people get really caught up in, oh, this guy never plays 16 games. And it's almost like they think that if they draft a player that they're going to, and, and he misses a game, that they're going to take a zero for that week. No, I mean, you, you, you're, you're going to plug in someone else. You know, you're not taking a zero uh, because Deshaun Jackson missed week four. I mean, so the, the game is not all about risk aversion and trying to collect all the guys that, you know, have played 16 games before. The game is about trying to have high scores, you know, every single week and guys on your roster that have the potential to give you those high scores. It's not about, you know, it's not all about risk aversion. Like we're, we're playing for first year. We're not playing for, you know, six or seven to, to you know, not embarrass ourselves and finish the basement. Like we're, we're trying to win. This explains why my Joe Flacco and Eli Manning led fantasy teams did not lead to much success for most of the last decade. Um, let's talk about the running backs. We were talking about the rookie receivers. Let's discuss the rookie running backs. Is there uh, a guy in that rookie running back pack who stands out to you as a guy who's being drafted a few levels below his likely production for 2020? Yeah, I think that Zach Moss um, is really interesting in Buffalo. I think that it was sort of assumed before the draft and even after the draft, because Zach Moss just wasn't a big name and he really didn't move the like public perception needle when he was drafted. It was sort of assumed that Devin Singletary was just, he was gonna be the guy. Frank Gore is gone. Singletary is gonna be the guy. Oh, they did draft this, you know, dude, uh, Zach Moss that's big and he might contribute in goal line short yarded situations. But uh, Zach Moss, by uh, like virtually all accounts, has outplayed Devin Singletary to this point in Bill's training camp. And if you, again, zoom out and look at their particular, their individual player pro- profiles, mm-hmm. Zach Moss has 20 pounds on Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is 5'8", 203. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might actually be five, closer to 5'7", 203. He's a small guy. Uh, Zach Moss is built very compactly, 5'9", 223. Um, Zach Moss has, uh, at the college level, was a more efficient receiving back than was Devin Singletary at Florida Atlantic. And Devin Singletary wasn't particularly, outside of that, um, the, the playoff loss to Houston, out, outside of that, he really was not very productive in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both drafted in the third round. So their, their draft capital and what the team invested in them is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bills are going to be good. Uh, Bill, I, I think you, you think the Bills are going to be good too, right? I, I, I'm not on the Josh Allen MVP train. Well, like you came you, on our show and said that you liked it. You but like I, 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 I like it as a, as a contrarian play. Yeah. I, I'm not, it's not my personal choice, but I, I'm yeah. going to admire it if it works out for you. I just, I, I don't, I'm oh, not yeah. brave enough to get that down. Okay. I do think okay. the Bills are going to be a playoff team this year. I do agree with you on that. Okay. So that, and we certainly agree that they have a good defense and, you know, I mean, they're going to be disciplined on defense and they're going to be in like every game and 100%. the AFC East is weak. So they're going to have a lot of positive uh, game script mm-hmm. that plays into the hands of 
a big back like Zach Moss, who is built to finish out games much more so than is 5'7", 203 Devin Singletary. So if Zach, let's just say that Zach Moss's floor is the 179 touches that Frank Gore left behind last year. That would already put him, that's over 10 touches a game, that would already make him a value at where he's being drafted in fantasy leagues. And then I think that he has the potential to be, I mean, Joe Buscaglia, who's covered the Bills for you know, a long time and is one of the best beat writers in the game, he suggested that there would be games where Zach Moss would be the feature back this year mm-hmm. and Devin Singletary would be the change of pace back. And when you look at them, that's what they look like. I mean, it looks like Zach Moss should be the feature back and Devin Singletary should be the change of pace. So, yeah, yeah so just the, the range of potential outcomes here on Zach Moss is pretty darn intriguing. And I think you always hear with rookie backs, the big concern is, oh, can they pass protect? Are they going to be able to get on the field and third down? Um, I will tell you, Devin Singletary was not a great pass protector last year. He really struggled at times um, in watching some of that Josh Allen tape for the column I did. So, uh, you know, it's not as if, you know, Frank Gore is there and Frank Gore is their primary back because you'd sit there and say, okay, well, we know Frank Gore is going to be on the field when they have to throw the football. That's not necessarily the case with Devin Singletary. Um, so, I mean, I think there's more upside with Zach Moss than I think a lot of people are, are giving him credit for. So I absolutely agree with you there. I think Zach Moss is someone who you should absolutely, especially if you're going with a zero running back build or a, you know, a, a, a sort of a limited running back build in the early rounds and you're really heavily focusing on receiver. Um, I think Zach Moss is absolutely a target for you later in, in fantasy drafts. Um, in, in terms of the other running backs who are out there, is there like a handcuff or, or someone who you think, you know, is kind of being seen as a backup who might have, uh, a bigger role looming for them, um, even as early as, as, you know, kind of September? Chase Edmonds stands out to me. And again, you know, I like to look at these situations from a team level, zoom out and just look at, you know, the offensive environment for individual players. And if they were to get more opportunity than we are projecting now, whether it be due to injury or due to just unforeseen circumstance, I mean, this is a unique year. And, and every year there are surprises in week one. And I think that there are going to be maybe even more surprises in week one this year than in most years. Mm -hmm. But I think one surprise could be that Chase Edmonds in Arizona has a bigger role than anticipated. Not that he's going to overtake Kenyon Drake or anything. I mean, the the Cardinals showed their commitment to Kenyon Drake uh, by giving him, you know, an eight guarantee, essentially guaranteeing him an $8.5 million salary. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot for a running back. Uh, But from the, the team level, In the first year under Cliff Kingsbury, despite the fact that they probably had a bottom 10 offensive line in terms of like individual offensive lineman talent, Mm -hmm. um, they were number two in football outsiders rushing DVOA. They were top 10 in the NFL in uh, total rushing yards. Mm -hmm. They, you know, historically quarterbacks that have dual threat capabilities can spike the efficiency of the offense as a whole and Mm -hmm. certainly have a dual threat quarterback in um, in Kyler Murray, if you look at the history of Kenyon Drake, he never had, he spent four years at Alabama, never had more than 92 carries. Mm-hmm. The NFL, he's been in the NFL for what, five years now. His career high during a season in terms of touches is 15.7, which he set last year. This Cardinals backfield is probably going to end up producing more toward 30 touches per game out of their backfield as a whole. Uh, and, and Kyler Murray is going to ac- account for, you know, four or five of the, or maybe six uh, of those per game as well in terms of rushing attempts. 
But that le- that would leave a lot. Let's just say Kenyon Drake matches his c- previous career high in touches per game. Mm-hmm. That would leave some real standalone opportunity for Chase Edmonds, who has been good when he's gotten opportunities. So, um, you know, plays in a good rushing offense. We think he's good. The starter in front of him is not particularly proven as a workhorse, not proven really at all as a workhorse. Um, and Chase Edmonds is cheap in drafts. Mm-hmm. I think that he is another guy that we should prioritize. Really just make sure you get him on your team. And I would be willing to draft him late in the single-digit rounds of a 12-team draft. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who last year, you know, really had one game as the primary back in that offense. And he had 27 carries for 126 yards, 24 receiving yards, and then three touchdowns against the Giants on 94% of the snaps. And got hurt the following week. The Cardinals trade for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake has a couple big games. And we saw it happen. But I mean, Kenyon Drake is not, you know, they did commit to him on a transition tech. That's 100% true. But they didn't sign him to a long-term contract. It's not as if, you know, they have anything tying Kenyon Drake to that roster after this season. And Chase Edmonds is under contract for a couple more years. So, you know, it wouldn't be shocking by any means if, you know, if Kenyon Drake were to get injured or slow down or have a rough week, that they would turn to Chase Edmonds. And if Chase Edmonds was the hot hand, that they would make him the starting running back. And, you know, I, I, I think there's not only the, you know, the sort of the floor you mentioned where he could be a, a viable part of that rushing attack, but also significant upside. He could be a really, really valuable running back if he is given the full-time role. Because I think the Cardinals would be inclined to use him as an every down, you know, a, a three down back. And that, that's going to be hard to come by, even if you have most, uh, even when you compare him to most handcuffs where, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of guys who are out there, but most guys like that, if a team loses their starting running back, they're going to be part of a rotation. They're not going to be the man from day one. Yeah. And this is not a guy that, you know, you should just draft like only if you drafted Kenyon Drake, you know, in the right. second round or whatever, Like this is a guy that you want on your team. It doesn't matter whether or not you drafted Kenyon Drake, because as you mentioned, he does have, he has a chance to be like a, a usable flex, but also has that true RB1 upside um, in a great rushing environment, um, you know, behind, again, an unproven workhorse starter. And I really like to target players that I think could provide me with not only a good floor, but also really high upside. You know, that, that's really what we should be targeting uh, with every pick in our fantasy drafts. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, let's finish up here. Let's talk about one quarterback is there a quarterback who you think you want to highlight where obviously uh you know in most leagues if you're playing in a single quarterback league this is not a position that you're going to be targeting super early in drafts was there someone you know kind of in that that second third fourth tier who sends out to you as a guy that you think you know people should be targeting if they're going to not spend that much on quarterbacks in their fantasy drafts yes and it is jimmy garoppolo okay um, who no one wants to take this year. I mean, his ADP is like quarterback 18, quarterback 20, somewhere in that range. I have him as quarterback 11. We already discussed the factors that I believe may lead to increased pass attempts for Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And Jimmy Garoppolo's only problem was pass attempts last season. Um, he was number three in the NFL in yards per attempt at 8.4, number seven in, t- in touchdown rate, number eight in passer rating. Uh, But again, the 49ers finished 29th in pass attempts. I think that they are going to be closer to league average Mm -hmm. this year after some defensive losses and due to some mean reversion defensively. Um, 
And so if he can sort of parlay that high efficiency, which, I mean, he plays for Kyle Shanahan. You know, Nick Mullins was efficient under <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. It's true. You know, C.J. Beathard had moments under Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, we could go back. I mean, Brian Hoyer uh, had, you know, moments under Kyle Shanahan. Like, Kyle Shanahan is, you know, maybe the best offensive strategist in the NFL and has the ability to maximize the talents of his players. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things to do in fantasy drafts is take George Kittle in, like, the middle to late second round mm-hmm. and take Jimmy Garoppolo in, like, the 17th. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a really popular uh, DFS stack early in the season in daily fantasy on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, because if you look at this schedule coming out the gate for San Francisco, week one, they're hosting the Cardinals, who obviously, you know, perennially have gotten shredded by tight ends. And I mean, George Kittle is going to do some nasty things. I, I love Isaiah Simmons, but George Kittle is going to do some nasty things to Isaiah Simmons in uh, week one. You know, welcome to the NFL moment. Um, and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a cheap, cheap quarterback in DFS. And George Kittle, I think, is going to have a monster year. Uh, and then we move to weeks two and three against the Jets and Giants. The Jets lost C.J. Mosley and Jamal Adams. They're two best defensive players. Mm-hmm. This, you know, this is a road – it's a two-game road trip where they won't even have to go back to San Francisco. Then they face the Giants, who probably have a bottom three defense. Then they go back home for three straight home games – against Philadelphia, who I don't, I don't, you know, they're never a particularly scary defense. Uh, the Dolphins and the 49ers should just slam the Dolphins. And then the Rams, who lost Wade Phillips and an unbelievable amount of defensive talent from mm-hmm. Corey Littleton to, you know, Nikel Roby Coleman. And, I mean, they've got, like, three good players on their defense, and then the rest of the guys are, you know, guys that would probably be backups on, on a lot of teams. Um, so I love that opening schedule for Jimmy Garoppolo. I built in like early season SOS into um, especially my quarterback rankings because I don't want to draft a quarterback that I can't, I don't want to use in weeks one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to have a guy that's ready to go. Um, and at his cost in drafts, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think is the perfect late round quarterback, um, especially on teams where you took George Kittle in the second round. Makes total sense. Um, Evan, I know there's a lot more we could get to, a lot to talk about heading into the season, but I don't want to spoil things. I, I want to encourage people to read all the work you do and listen to your podcast. So where can they go ahead and do that? And what are they going to be seeing on that website? Yeah, you can check out uh, establishtherun.com if you're a serious fantasy player. I mean, I don't think that there's a better resource out there. Um, you could at very least check out our podcast. It is called establish the run available on iTunes, Stitcher, you know, anywhere podcasts are found. Um, we're established the run at establish the run on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, come, I mean, we, we, we really try to focus on, on players that on fantasy players that, you know, are serious about winning, um, and also are willing to try out different formats like best ball. We have, you know, specific rankings for uh, best ball leagues and super flex. And, um, you know, we have ADP for uh, high stakes uh, drafts. And so we, we try to ap- appeal to the serious fantasy player and just give them the best, absolute best information. Awesome. Well, Evan, it was a pleasure. We're going to have you back on more during the year. But thanks so much for hopping on today to preview the NFL season and fantasy drafts with us. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. All right. Thanks again to my guest, Evan Silva of Establish the Run. 
make sure to check out Establish the Run. Great website, a site. As Evan pointed out, that I read every single week. That I, you know, one of the first things I do Monday after I'm done writing my column, going to bed at 5 a.m. Uh, podcasting. One of the first things I do when I'm kind of winding down is check out what's going on at Establish the Run and get a sense of what happened over the weekend. Um, you know, Evan and the folks there are watching games as closely as anybody. So, absolutely recommend you check them out. We have more audio coming next week. Uh, more NFL previews on the way to come. Couple weeks to go. We are in the final two weeks or final three weeks. I'm not sure how math works. Two and a half weeks, I think it is, before the NFL season begins on September 10th. Hope you guys are staying healthy. Hope you guys are staying safe and hope you enjoyed the show. More audio coming 